2: from MMA Fighting Studios. This is Between the Links. And now, your host,
4: Mike Heck, The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of BTL. Thank you for having us on another summer's day. It is International Fight Week. It is UFC 290 Fight Week. Two UFC title fights on the card. Both are kind of flying under the radar, in my humble opinion. And the card is is pretty damn good. We'll talk a lot about UFC 290 and more on today's show. But let us introduce the panel this week. This will be a very fun show. First, he's back, everybody. Mr. No Gray Area, the co-host of No Bets Bar, The man who is building back his gambling bank account dollar by dollar. The incomparable hot take machine from MMAfighting.com. Mr. Jed Mishu. Hello, sir.
3: Mike, I'm so happy to be here. Not just because, you know, I love my opponent, but we have good things to talk about. Like, we can be honest. Sometimes the show's a little tougher than others when we're talking about Abis Magomedov, and we still may mention him, but we've got
4: International Fight Week, baby! Let's go! Maybe the most positive start in the history of this program, and... Always a pleasure to have an MMA fighting morning combat collab. It's it's guaranteed funded chaos as you welcome in one of my favorites in this wacky media space of ours, my fellow New England. He's Connecticut's own, Mr. Brian Campbell. BC, welcome back, my man. Thank
5: you. I'm, I'm hoping your production team has a filter that doesn't make me look so jaundiced, but that could, be
4: a, that could be a personal problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, let's, uh, let's get right into the festivities. Normally, we go in chronological order, but we're going to start this Saturday, T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Yes, UFC 290. The main event will unify the UFC featherweight championship of the world. In this fight, much like this division as a whole, Flying a little bit under the radar. The argument for the best weight class in the UFC and MMA is constantly between lightweight and bantamweight. I think featherweight at worst is at tier two. It's like the Charles Oliveira of divisions. But Alexander Volkanovsky will put his title on the line against the interim champ, Yair Rodriguez. And BC, I want to start with you. I want to get your take on the matchup itself for this particular card because... I love how you put on you put out the, the golf major comparison to some of these UFC cards, like the International Fight Week card being one of the majors for the UFC. And typically we get the big stars and some of the biggest names of the sport in this main event spot. Volk was the co-main event last year when he dominated Max Holloway. But to me, this is my favorite fight on the schedule right now because while Volkanovsky has been so dominant at 145 and he's coming off a crazy good and crazy close fight for the lightweight title against Zizal stylistically... Yair Rodriguez is a friggin' animal and he is a problem for everybody. So in terms of the fight and headliner for international fight week, the styles clash, how do you grade this one closing the show? I mean, this is an a,
5: this is a solid ass a, This one, in my opinion, one of the you know five best fights you can make right now in the entire sport. And we get it in the main event of IFW. And I don't think, you know, it's been unfair to slightly criticize the IFW card from top to bottom, a hardcore dream, very deep, But does it have that kick your door in top heaviness? Would I have loved if they paired, for example, Justin versus Dustin 2 as the co-main here? Absolutely. I'm not the matchmaker. What we are getting, though, is, like I mentioned, a deep card with an absolute banger can't miss main event. Uh, It's one of those rare unifications in terms of creating an, an interim title that didn't need to be there that I'm just fully okay with because we get this fight at the end of the day. With all due respect to Ilya Tuporia, who looks like the future of featherweight, I'm not sure how much Volkanovsky hangs around here. And Yair Rodriguez, to me, is the only guy from the old generation, the previous one, Volkanovsky's one, that not only Volk hasn't beat, but that on paper is a problem for him. That alone, when you're talking somebody, the caliber of the pound for pound King Volkanovski has to get you up out of your seat. It's the danger. It's the unorthodox violence. It's everything that this red hot Yair Rodriguez brings to the table right now in full bloom. We're watching him evolve into the fulfillment of the promise that was there long ago you're damn right i'm fired up for the contrast in this one and that simple fact that i'll repeat one more time i'm not sure if Volk is coming or going at 145 but this is the only guy left that i'm not fully sure he beats and that's the that's the key that's the drug that that's the gateway that gets you in on saturday
4: jed a grade from mr brian campbell i assume you're in the same camp if not, you might even go a little you might a little a plus maybe is this an a plus for you it's an a
3: it's not an a plus uh i don't i'm not trying to be negative this card's amazing i will say i think we are all so high on it because almost everything else this year has been just trash and so this is an oasis in the middle of the desert of of ufc fights but i mean you're still talking about an early prelim card that I mean it's, it's pretty it's pretty bad. Like the the early prelim card is lacking, but it doesn't matter cuz the reg, the regular prelims and then the main event are so good. This is an A, but it doesn't get that A plus. It needed a little bit more juice in that regard. But enough of the down talk. This is fantastic. I disagree uh with my esteemed colleague over there saying, you know, Volk's beaten all the people. He's beaten like one dude three times. And that's great. I would love to see Volk fight Arnold down, Ilya Tupuria. Uh I mean, Josh Emmett prior to this run that he is now on. There are many fights I would like to see. Uh, I hope he sticks around, but I do agree with him that this is the one I am the most interested in. I'm really interested in Ilya after what happened a couple of weeks ago, but this is the one I've been saying for months. I think that this is a real potential up like we are on upset alert this weekend i think yair does have the tools and the opportunity to get this done and i'll take it one step further than what he said you know called this one of the five best fights that that can be made i think this is this is either number one or number two of the best fights that can be made right now i think it's number one i'm willing to hear arguments that the co-main event this weekend is the best fight that can be made in mma right now so I got the nothing the but good things just, to say about the, this card. Does he
5: know what this is that we're talking about? The Colmain is one of the five. The Colmaine is probably not even one of the three best fights you can make in that division. Although I really like the fight. What are you talking about? Defend that That's statement, ins- please.
3: I- I'm sorry. The the champ versus a dude who's beaten him twice. Two of the most exciting guys in the whole friggin' sport. Look, I like that division. Supremacy. Like this is an amazing fight.
5: I like that fight. I like this division, Jed. And if I ever need, you know, a uh, a public exposure lawyer south of the Mason-Dixon, I'm going after you to <laughs> represent me. But that's, I don't think you can defend that claim that, that Moreno-Pantoja 3, if we're going to call it officially 3, is among the handful of best fights you can make. It's a very good fight. It's far below the radar. But do you do you not echo the chamber that's coming at you right now, Jed, and saying that yeah, we can all be like, yeah, this card is deep and it's great and it's so great because everything's been shitty lately? But they are they're watering it down a little too much. This should be the BMF co main event. This should be something. John Jones back against Stepe. didn't IFW used to mean something? Is my is my downtrodden nature not gonna be respected around here today?
3: I mean, I I said this on another podcast earlier this week. I think that this has less broad appeal than previous IFWs. You know, I mean, we've gotten Conor McGregor and stuff coming coming for International Fight Week. This is this is pretty tame in that regard for your public appeal, right? Like, I have no idea what pay per view numbers this is going to sell. It's probably not cracking five, but for for you for me for people who are are in this this is i mean this is just as good as it gets every fight here uh at least the the top you know 8 i am super invested in for one reason or another Sure, we could have a little more star power. We could have the BMF belt and that – if we had the BMF belt, that would put us to that A-plus level. Like that's what I'm saying. That would put us up there. But instead, we've got one of I think the the two or three best fights that you can make in MMA right now is the co-main event.
5: And I'm not mad about it. Not mad about it. All right. It. Well, I gave the main event an A. I didn't give the whole card an A. I really like the card. No. But Jed, being someone – like you, who I believe understands the truth, even if your truth is different than most people's, I'll say this. A lot of the things you love about this card are one-sided showcase fights. From Oh, not the absolute UFC's nonsense. Fault, not the UFC's fault, Jack Delamadellin, Mr. Bob Dabalina in a showcase fight, Bo Nickel in a showcase if, fight. If that fight and, was still and, and Sean one Brady, one that thing, would be Jade, great,
3: but I agree with you.
5: Of the living legend Robert Whitaker in a showcase fight. So there you go. With that said, there's some good... DDP (laughs) is going to
3: surprise us all. I've been saying it. Drickus Duplessis is about to beat Robert Whitaker, and everyone will be so sad about it and I will be cackling laughing the whole time.
4: Well, we're going to talk more about those in in a matter of moments. But Jed, you've been saying for a minute and you talked about upset alert, and you said it on last week's show, you kind of teased it a little bit. You're over the line here. You're over the fence. You're picking Yair Rodriguez to defeat Alexander Volkanovsky on Saturday. I have not listened to No Bets Bard yet, so I don't know where your money is officially going, but are you still going with Yair to wear the belt at the end of the night? And if so, please show your work.
3: I am. Look, Alexander Volkanovsky is one of the greatest fighters in the world. He is one of, I mean, arguably the best fighter we have ever seen, if you're talking about compo- like composition of skills and where he's at in his career. But I'm picking Yair Rodriguez. I will not be surprised if I'm wrong because great fighters win fights. Like That's just what they do but i have thought for a while that this was a really compelling style matchup uh because for as as fun and competitive as the max holloway trilogy was i f- came into that even before the first one thinking that it was a pretty bad matchup for max and i think that bore out and that volkanovsky just has too many answers he has he has too too deep a bag of tricks and the only way that you are going to beat him is is a, f- a flash of something immediate right like you are not max for all his many great attributes he is not a one-hitter quitter he is going to get you out of there with the trite of damage and it's really hard to pile that up on volkanovsky in, in such a way that that it's going to be substantive towards the fight arguably did it in the second i didn't think so but you know that's where you get to the way you're going to win is you're going to have one moment of violence and i thought brian ortega was a really compelling kind of test for him in that regard because Brian Ortega, I've said many times, I'm not sure he's actually good at fighting, but he's very great at winning fights. And for a moment, for a brief moment, he almost beat Volk with one just kind of snap of incredible offense. And you're getting something different, but similar in that regard for me, Yair. I think the length, maybe won't it, it will make it harder for Volkanovski. I don't want to say it will trouble him. He has fought lengthier fighters before, but... I mean, we saw Islam's length, Islam's kicking game had success. Yair is, is, can match that and is a much more effective kicker. The body work, I think, will be a huge weapon for him here. The question is if Yair can keep this standing. I think he's got a great chance to win. It's how often, how repeatably can Volk get takedowns is probably going to dictate this. But I think Yair is just going to make him suffer at every minute because win, lose, or draw against Yair Rodriguez – you're going to be wearing it at the end of the night, and with Volk all about to be 35, it's really old for anything less than welterweight. 35 is very, very old. Maybe he slows down a tick. We haven't seen it, but maybe it starts. And this is just where Yair steps up. So I'm backing Yair Rodriguez this weekend.
4: BC, you hear the Jen Mishu breakdown there. Do you do you agree with him? Do you agree with everything he says? Do you feel like we're going to see and new on Saturday night when it's all said and done? I don't at the end of the day. I do
5: echo the romanticism of what we both established up front is Yair's super dangerous peak of his powers. He's finally put it all together. And let's not forget in Yair's very close loss to Max Holloway, which by the way, is going to be a rematch if he does pull this upset and I'm here for it. uh, Max had to go through hell in round one, to get all that on him and endure it. I think the difference is Volkanovski doesn't stand there and endure it for anybody, right? And I think the best thing Jed said about the potential future of this fight is Volkanovski doubling down on that wrestling. What's the best way to slow down, tire out, and limit the potential strength of what Yair does? It's not just the the wizard-like foot movement and patterns and mid-fight adjustments, which has become the calling card for Volkanovski – The reason why Volkanovsky is truly superhuman in my mind and somebody who has been a little bit slow along the process in wanting to fully anoint him is exactly what he showed against Islam Mahachev. He moved up in weight went right after the key dominant skill of a strong dominant champion. And regardless of whoever you thought won that fight, it's a moral victory for the performance of Volkanovski because he neutralized the wrestling of Mahachev. Can he now lean into that newly added <laughs> rounded out elite skill and slow down <laughs> Yair? It's very possible. But even if he does it on the feet, if anybody can surgically break apart, slow down and diminish what Yair does, great look, it's Volkanovsky. I'm finally done having any form of doubt remaining. If he hadn't shown us what Jed mentioned, the incredible backbone from the Ortega fight, I may still hold more doubt. The problem is under duress, nobody has shown that he's more poised and able to swim the, the rough waters and turn it back around in his favor. Uh, I think this is the final fight of the featherweight run of Volkanovski. And I think he's not only going to win it and once again prove to us that he's the best fighter in the world. I think there's a stronger debate than anyone else is willing to juggle along with me and oh no. all of my white belt takes. <laughs> Don't you fucking say it. That Volkanovski has shown us, and really the flag on top would be a victory over Yair, that he's the greatest featherweight of all time. <laughs> and I can even take that further and tell you that he's knocking on the door of the top 10 fighters of all time. So I don't say this as a CKB homeboy. That's Luke Thomas's job to, to blow that trumpet all day, okay? <laughs> I'm saying this as I've seen enough of doubting this guy with my own eyes and giving upset-minded challengers more of a chance than they deserve. And I've seen him slam the door on all of us. And to close, in postscript, you mentioned all those great things Ortega does well. Even when Ortega fails, he still wins. I think you saw that pick six he threw to, pa- to uh, Paulo uh, Costa there. With, uh, <laughs> with uh, Yeah, okay, end of that conversation.
4: Jed, you laughed really hard at one point. You held back laughter at other points. And then he said the thing that I knew was gonna rile you up. So please respond. He was just to trying. Me. Everything he just said. He,
3: he, knows, he, he knows his audience. He's just trying to poke the bear right now. That's all he's trying to do. And won't fall. I laughed because I have become known as the world's greatest Alexander Volkanovsky hater. I don't think I'm a hater. He just annoys me. Uh, and that only was recently. I was pulling very hard for this man early in his career. Uh the hagiography hey that has happened surrounding the, the Islam-Akachev fight, I'm not here to say that that wasn't an incredible performance. It was. He absolutely lost. He didn't neutralize the wrestling. He gave up back control for like eight full minutes of the fight and lost as a result of it. Like he just fought really well because he's a damn good fighter. My o- The only thing I'm going to dignify with the response about him being the greatest featherweight of all time, which is obviously insane, is I will say this. BC, if you want to have that position, you can have that position. It is categorically insane to say in one sentence, if he beats (laughs) Yair Rodriguez, he's the greatest featherweight, and he's knocking on the door of the top 10 greatest fighters of all time. Jose Aldo is already firmly in the top five, if not the top three. So if he's going to be the best featherweight of all time – You got to put Volk in the top five or the top three. Like, that's just where we're at, man. So pick one or the other. I'm not going to let you have both because it would be insane for you to come out of this being like, greatest featherweight ever, top 13 fighter. Like, no. Just no.
5: Here's the difference here. A couple of differences in the things you're saying. I don't have any disrespect for the king of heo. I love him. Not a top five all-time fighter. Because why? There's only five spots. That's the reason. I can make arguments for everybody from Cormier to Couture to to BJ to all of these people that have done big things and you want to say at the end of the day, man, they're top five all time. The problem is there's only five spots, right? And to me, I'm not getting past... John Jones, GSP, Fedor, Demetrius Johnson, uh, Anderson Silva. Okay, so that's just first and foremost right there. Number two, I get the romanticism of what Aldo did. In fact, the WEC run is is incomparable to, to anybody in their primes and the finishes. But let's look at the whole volume. Does he have more title defenses than what Alexander Volkanovsky will have if he defends here for the fifth time? Yes. But there's a great equalizer in debating greatness in my eyes, don't you say the head dumbest
3: head. shit I've ever heard. Oh, my well, God. Well, give,
5: give me a chance to say that shit before you can litigate it. Here's what I'm <laughs> going to tell you. Uh, is two years and two two days, I believe, younger than Aldo. Yet I believe they still fought at a time where both could, were considered elite. And, and G- Jose Aldo was 32 when they fought. He was coming off consecutive knockout victories over Jeremy Stevens and Haino Moikano and had reestablished himself following the two Holloway defeats, And what did Volkanovski do? He completely neutralized and broke down Aldo to the point that Jose was almost complacent with defeat and was willing to go to those scorecards in almost a no-mas-like way of like, I can't figure this guy out. I'm not going to go guns blazing like I did against Holloway. Here, you have the victory. And I used to think that was more of contract status with the last fight in his career. And then we found out after the fact that he signed a new contract before, the day before that fight. So that's not there. So when we're talking about head-to-head, Volkanovski's not only got the plus one there, but the one man who knocked out viciously two times in a row, Jose Aldo, while still the champion and still in his prime, Max Holloway, Volk's defeated three times, including as convincing as anyone could have ever hoped or wanted in that trilogy in a five-round bloody battle beaten. I think when you add up the totality of where Volkanovsky is as the number one with a bullet fighter in the world, could you have Mahachev as your number one for beating him? You could, but I think there's enough of what we learned about who Volk really is and what he can do at different weight classes, and I know he once weighed 215 on a rugby league field. (laughs) But that still kind of plays into this whole idea that I, I'm, I'm done believing in things that he can't do. And while that WEC run is always going to make him the true king of heel, compare their UFC runs head to head. And I think that, you know, we're going to say that, well, Jose didn't lose for 10 years and he didn't. But neither did Volk for nine years and 10 months And when he lost, it was to the other best fight in the world, one division up. Volkanovski's unbeaten over the entirety of his career in this weight class. If he defeats Yair, who's an absolute killer right now in the interim champion, I'm willing to put what he has accomplished up against Jose, knowing that he's got the one up, not just in their head to head matchup, but he beat the guy three times who finished a prime Jose twice. And the other time Jose stepped up against the other most dangerous opponent of his career. He got slept in 13 seconds. This is not me to drag on the guy, but if you're going to go head to head, it's about time we do wake up to what Volkanovski has accomplished and where he's headed. If this continues.
4: Jed, you, you hear this, but I also want to add another question to this. How much more does Volk have to do to get that spot in your, in your opinion?
3: Uh, if he beats Yair and he beats Ilya, I'm open to the conversation. I don't think he will have the title, uh, but I am, I am open to the conversation. We have this argument all the time on various programs (laughs) and I can't settle this any more simply, uh, than saying this best and greatest are not the same thing. I am. I, I will I will acknowledge or I will stipulate to Alexander Volkanovski being a better fighter than Jose Aldo because that's how time works. Things that were older are not as good as things that are newer. They improve over time. That's just how the entirety of sport has has progressed. And though BC wants to make this. Hey, they're both in there. They're both fighting at the same time. Like they are very clearly of different generations of fighters. Alexander Volkanovsky was not building the featherweight and sub lightweight divisions. <laughs> you know, it, he just it, it's just not the same. And so I'm happy to stipulate I think that if you plopped a prime Jose Aldo and a prime Alexander Volkanovsky into the cage together, Alexander Volkanovsky very much wins that fight. I believe that there's a real credible argument that Alexander Volkanovsky is the best fighter we have ever seen. Best and greatest are not the same. Greatness is purely a matter of accomplishment. And for some unknown reason, like I genuinely can't figure it out. Everyone in this sport is so quick to dismiss... Impossible title runs, and be like, "Well, I know he has nine title defenses, but YOLO, like, doesn't matter. Izzy's three are better than Anderson Silva's, and kamar Usman is catching GSP. Like, no, like, it's the hard. I, I have said this a thousand times. The hardest thing to do in this sport is to wake up and defend your belt against all comers." year after year after year after year, title defense after title defense. And we don't see it anymore. Like if Volkanovski had won the lightweight belt, that'd be an incredible accomplishment, but he didn't. He, but he moved up and you know why he moved up? Because he was bored at 145 and boredom is a hard thing to overcome. I can't say that Volk would have lost had he fought you know, Josh Emmett or whatever, but we also can't say that he definitely would have won if he had just stuck and defended, he didn't do it. And you talk to fighters, they all say it. Defending a title infinitely is hard. I put so much stake in Jose Aldo's nine title defenses and in Anderson Silva's 13 or whatever insane number it is. You can't just write this off because Volk ha- is having an un- unbelievably good run. He is not like I need at least two more title defenses to get in the conversation, and Brian doesn't even think he's going to do that. I do think he's at least going. If he defends here, he'll fight Ilya, but if if Yair wins this everybody who was like I think Volk's the greatest is going to look like a real dipshit come Monday if Yair kicks Volk's liver out from his body and I will be dancing in the moonlight
4: well this is well, a uh, mean, tremendous start yeah, go ahead Buzny
5: I mean if you're going to admit that Volk is a better fighter than the two of them we he have is. footage of them facing off against each other in their prime still I know I know, not the peak of Jose I would strongly Trump. argue that that was, was not his prime <laughs> He was 32, but guess what? He then moved down to a more difficult weight class and got a title shot. Deserved? No. He lost a split decision to Morice and I thought that was the right score. But my point ultimately is this. That's still Jose at 32. Volk's 34 now. You're telling me, us all, that he's the better fighter than the two of them. We have footage of it, and it wasn't even close. On top of that, I think Volkanovsky is the featherweight Demetrius Johnson, which fuels what you're saying. He's not. He even, has become be close. the most well rounded. <laughs> And there's nothing he can't figure out. Okay, we can argue the minutes in the in the top percentage in the back time of whether he neutralized that man's wrestling. My point was he wasn't dominant, dominated and didn't lose exclusively because of that, which had been a big part of the early run of Mahachev. We're talking about a guy who you are admitting might be the best fighter we've ever seen. The, yeah, the best, and best and great are not best and great are. I led with that. Best and greatest okay, are not the same things. The same argument that 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 you can make about you know times and and he's only better because he's in a more advanced era. Well, you can make the same arguments you want against Jose Aldo for the sustained title defenses. The difference, okay. The difference to me, I said, was the head to head. Well, let me add one more thing. We're not really arguing right now. Volkanovski's the best fighter in the sport. And by the way, he's coming off a loss, and we're not even arguing that. Was Jose Aldo considered the best fighter in the sport during that run? I absolutely thought him the best fighter in the sport. So he was your pound for pound king during that entire during that ten year run. Because I, I I, I don't
3: not the entirety of it, because having the pound for pound king like first is insane. But for a good chunk of it, I thought he was the best pound for pound fighter in the world over GSP, over Anderson Silva.
5: Okay, I know that not many people shared that opinion. Too. And I remember him being two and three and considered one of the best fighters in the world. You know, I also remember those days that Dana was beaten over our head that the Baron was really the pound for pound king. My point is <clears throat> Volk's number one with a bullet right now and he's coming off a loss. He's the best fighter in the sport. He's on With his the way bullet? to becoming one of the best all time. I do think there's a uh th- there's a head-to-head there in which he has won on a couple different levels. He's not going to reach that title defense number. No, he's not going to reach that. So if that's your bar to keep the king of Heo there, who I also love and respect and is an absolute badass, then that's fine. Okay. There's been a lot of bars in your life. Full glasses, <laughs> law exams. Uh you've been so, barred from from a lot of establishments. Uh but I'll many. say this at the, at the end of the day, um, I, I can't believe I'm defending this guy this strongly, but what are you missing, Jed? What what else would he have to do, okay? I mean, you know, like I
3: – mean, It's two title defenses, and we can start talking about it. I still don't okay. think it's there, but we'd start talking about I it.
5: I mean, look at the killers he's defended against. Look at I Max mean, look Holloway
3: at three times. That's my biggest – like straight up, it's my biggest issue. UFC season. forced One, it. He didn't want that? I, he didn't want that? I mean yeah, – that's a whole separate let me let me argue this point. First, I just want to say you keep saying number one with the bullet is Lamakachev is the MMAfighting.com Pound for pound number one fighter in the world. Let's just all be very clear about that. The only rankings that matter. Uh second,
5: this, right?
3: yeah, they're the only ones that matter. You should check them out, BC. They're real good. It's on a great <laughs> website, too, man. Just a great website. Uh look, like we one of my biggest issues is that i I don't like people beating the same dude repeatedly. And it's – that is – yes, Max Max Holloway is an unbelievable fighter. We all know that Styles makes, like, makes fights. We all know this. And to me, it is easier to beat one dude repeatedly, even if that dude is damn good, which Max is, than it is to just fight the next dude. And you say that he didn't want it. And in that specific instance, I agree. But – Volk could have fought other people. And I've said this forever. And people come at me like, this is an insane take. Volk has chosen to have the stance of, well, I need somebody to stand up and show me something. And the long history of long reigning champions, they don't ask for that really. Sometimes they will be like, it'd be cool, but mostly they're just like, Hey, who's the next dude up? I'll fight that guy. I want to fight in June. I'm gonna fight that dude because I haven't fought him yet. And Protect against all comers, baby. And Volk has been very specific in not doing that. And that is incredibly frustrating because we could have had him fight Arnold Allen already. He, Arnold Allen did not have to fight Max Holloway. If Volk stood up and said, Arnold, I choose you, I mean, that fight's happening. If he gets Arnold Allen unders, if he beats Yair and he beats, you know, uh, Tapuria, and maybe he also chose to fight Josh Emmett and he gets a rematch. It's great, but it's just not how he's chosen to go about it. And I'm going to ding him for it because demanding that your title defenses be only against the greatest people of all time is like – that's just not how it works in history. Sometimes you just got to fight the number five dude because you're the champion of the division and you fought everybody else, man. And we haven't yeah, gotten that Yeah, that's your that worst argument.
5: All this is your worst argument of all time, it's official. You're arguing that he didn't fight the (laughs) number five guy, (laughs) but instead he fought the guy who finished Prime Jose Aldo twice. He fought that guy right after that series.
3: Three times! How many times do I have to beat the shit out of my neighbor for it to be clear that I'm better than him at fist fighting? (laughs) It's just How many times do you have to convince all of the viewers (laughs) to vote for you for us to know what's going to happen? BC, I guarantee you, you are going to win this one today and it is not going to be because of the content of our arguments but this matchup is set in stone we don't need to do it we're here for the content baby and it's the same thing those fights were content fillers they did not establish new things for me i know vocal beat max if they fought (laughs) 50 more times
5: he's gonna beat them 45 of them that's just how it goes since today is July 6th, and that's a key number in here, I'm going to cause an insurrection after Volk defeats and stops <laughs> Yair. I'm going to walk up your front steps and smear Pelosi shit over your desk, okay? Because that's what this take is. What are we doing here? He beat Holloway three times. Nobody beats Max Holloway. Come on.
4: Oh man! All right, we got to move on. I could do this for another hour, but (laughs) we're not going to. Uh, Let's move on to the rest of this card. The point for round one, Brian, check it out.
3: It's a great website.
4: Point for round one goes to. uh, Fuck me! I don't even know who to give it to. BC, you get it. (laughs) (laughs) So we're clear. That means you co-sign his his
3: felonious statements that Jose Aldo is not the goat. Just look, I've been very,
4: go, go back and watch BTL one. It's not about who I feel. It's not about who I agree with. It's who presents their argument better. And I thought you both did a tremendous job and I have to give to somebody and I flipped an invisible coin and that's what happened.
0: The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds, boosts, and so much more.
2: that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
4: But the co-main event, we touched on it a little bit. Flyweight title on the line, Brandon Moreno defending against his... Long-time foe, I guess, Alexander Pantoja, a man who has two wins over Brandon Moreno, once on The Ultimate Fighter, once during a fight night event not long after that. And, Jed, we talked about how much you revere this fight. Uh, You feel like it's one of the best fights. You can make a case that it's the best fight on the calendar right now. But this is getting No buzz despite the storylines and the expectations for it to be really competitive. And I know flyweights don't typically get a ton of push from the promotion or from the community, but I feel like Brandon Moreno is like really close to getting over to like that tier three, like superstar. I think he's right there and Pantoja is damn good, but are you surprised at how little attention this fight is getting? Cause I feel like this is just the main event and Bo nickel and Robert Whittaker, DDP to some extent, and this one's just completely forgotten about in in some respects.
3: Not surprised. They're very small, Mike, and that's that's the issue. I mean, they're, they're, just, they're just little guys, and that's uh, the UFC's never going to put the promotional heft. I mean, what, what, earlier this year when of France headlined a fight night, and it was the first time in like literally seven years or some insane thing that a non-title flyweight fight had main evented. The UFC is just not here to give them a promotional push. And they're not saying they're wrong for that. Like people do not largely gravitate towards the flyweights in the same way they do heavier divisions. And frankly, you might be able to like there's there, there are pictures on social media of Brandon Moreno uh, and Yaya Rodriguez, like taking photos together and Moreno just looks so tiny compared to him that like may, that may just be the simple enough answer, but not at all surprised. I mean, I'm still not sure who did the belt for for Rodriguez, like whether that was a UFC custom or a him thing, because I've sort of seen info on both. But Brandon Moreno doesn't have like a super cool belt. They're not, and and he's a full actual champion instead of like an interim half champion or whatever. They this is just the the sweetener to the main event, and it's a shame promotionally that that's the case because I don't know if Moreno's close to getting over. I know that he is. Super charismatic. I think he has the opportunity to get there, but the UFC doesn't haven't invested in him in the same way that they really were pushing Davis and Figueroa when he was going to be the new crown champion. Is look at this guy. This guy, all he does is finish people. Brandon Moreno has finished everybody he's fought since Formiga, like everybody over the last four years. Unless he's, I mean, he's lost some to, to Figgy, but he's also he's stopping everybody else. So uh, this is. Look, I think I think the stakes and everything involved in in the main event are tremendous, and probably it's better than this fight. But I think there's an argument that this is the best fight of of the year thus far, and I'm really excited. I'm excited to see how different Brandon Moreno looks from the previous two iterations between these two. Uh, Alejandro Pantoja, man, if if you haven't been paying attention, he has been on a freaking war path lately, so. I mean, we're talking about two dudes who are nothing but excitement, nothing but bonus-winning machines, and they are about to fight for the championship of the world in what is guaranteed to be a banger. Like, sign me up for it is all all I can say on this one. Like, I I could not be more excited about this co-main event.
4: You see, we have, we have the history between these guys in the octagon. Brandon Moreno puts Davis and Figueiredo behind him for good in January, beats him in Brazil, and Pantoja didn't even let him get his frigging shoes on, didn't even let him get in the shower before he got in his face and was like, oh, let's go next, and Brandon Moreno just kind of shunned him off. But your thoughts on the buzz are, I guess, the lack thereof for this co-main event between Brandon Moreno and Pantoja.
5: Yeah, I don't want to say anything negative because this fight is very good, flying very high under the radar, very low, excuse me. And I think also Pantoja's chances as a slight betting underdog, people just aren't even talking about it. That's the problem. They're not talking about any element of it. And the history, the fact that he's got two wins, one by submission stoppage, one by dominant decision, and two 30-26 scorecards, Uh, I'm very surprised by that. Yes, Moreno has improved a ton since their last meeting in 2018, but so has Pantoja riding this three-fight win streak, two by stoppage against elite names in the former title challenger Perez and the future title challenger and Raw Dog Royval. I do, though, have to push back. This is not... This is a very good fight. I love this division. Shout out to McMaynard. I've I've criticized UFC matchmaking when it's soft, of course, like anyone else, but he has really saved this division. It's banger after banger, but this is not one of the best fights on the calendar year. It's a very good fight, Uh, but I think the whole under-the-radar thing goes into it's two-sided. One, I'm not pitching a conspiracy theory, but the promotion is angled toward Moreno, the Mexican rising champion, who's also a broadcaster and pairs nicely with the interim Mexican champion in Yair. And we're doing this in Las Vegas, and we're coming back for free in September, Mexican Independence Day weekend, and Grasso's going to defend her title. And by the way, I love that strategy. But it, it, it seems to suit the UFC more if they're going to tell this story to tell the story of Mexican MMA pride rather than, hey, not only does Brazil not have an active champion in the UFC for the moment after this dominant run, but there there's a good chance they might have one based on the prior history coming out of here. The other half of that is I don't think the UFC promotes pay-per-views at all anymore. I think this has been a very... Uh, very interesting calendar year in a lot of ways for UFC PR and the bottom line and the record breaking financial years, but they have cert, they have obviously figured out how to bring down the price they spend on promotion they know the 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 minimum amount that they're getting for putting a pay-per-view on ESPN Plus. And I think ultimately what you're seeing with the raised ticket prices, you can get your grandma's name on the octagon if you want for a hefty sum. They are absolutely maxing out the price and lowering what they spend and invest. And I think unfortunately, when it's going in that direction, in general, flyweight's going to get the shaft, especially without a, a dominant champion on top. And even though the Moreno did great things in that Figueredo rivalry, and as you guys said, has the personality to maybe eventually break through I think the parody in this division post DJ and Cejudo um, has been great for hardcore fans you see Jed getting so fired up about this fight but certainly has not been good for the overall you know star power oomph factor and reputation of the division because it really feels like anybody can win the title on any given night And, uh, you know, you package that in there and, you know, Pantoja is going to be your new champion on Saturday. And I think that this is one of the more underrated under the radar runs to get to that point. I love Moreno. He's great. But I don't think there's a, you know, very great fighter in this division. I think there's a lot of very good to great guys who just any given night, that's what can happen.
3: Let me add on BC, to what BC it, it, said there. Oh, go ahead. For go just ahead, a Jeff. moment. Uh, because it's not just they don't want to spend money to promote BC. If you go to UFC's Twitter, uh, their pinned tweet, the first thing that stays right at the top is a power slap promotion. It yes. is International Fight Week, and they are promoting the power slap that will happen on the 7th. So they just don't care anymore, is actually the answer. In any respect, money, time, effort, no cares at all. That's just where we live.
4: It's true. BC, as far yeah. as the rest of the card goes. And I feel like the easy answer is Robert Whitaker, DDP, but we could have some fun with this. What burning question do you have for Saturday outside of the major storylines? Like what has your eye? What are you looking forward to get getting the answer to the most?
5: Look, even with my comment about the one-sided nature of a lot of these matchups, I mean, look, I'm going to be fired up to see everybody from Whitaker to Bo Nickel to Jack Della Maddalena take that next step forward, unfortunate with the opponent change. But I got a little worry here about our guy, Dan Hooker, who's just taking on so many tough challenges in a row in short succession. He's willing to, you know, stay in the U.S. during COVID and and say hi to his family through a fence. He's willing to change weight classes, take on tough opponents at last minute. He's willing to get these gladiator tattoos all over his body. Hey, shout out to that. Unfortunately, my guy Kevin Lee did the same thing. We saw what happened. But Hooker's got a live finisher in front of him and Jalen Turner, who, you know, don't, don't be fooled by that close decision loss to Gamrod. He finished the five uh, opponents right before that, that he faced on this escalation to this point. hooker's at this precarious spot where even though he's coming off the stoppage win over poyas and it was a reviving one taking a lot of damage seems to have to take a lot of damage to compete and win in these fights and i just feel unfortunate in an era right and he came up during the prime of that great lightweight run but every great era has to have people that lose to the best too and he's kind of become the michael johnson of this weight class here and my fear is that He's walking into another buzz, you know, buzzsaw here in Jalen Turner and, and more people are going to use Dan Hooker's name to get a, get ahead. And it's hard because there's a guy who gives all, is such a hard worker, such constantly trying to get better, trains with great fighters, but just can't get over that hump. So I'm watching closely to his status here. I'm hoping, you know, the fan in me hoping he can score a win here, but hoping he can do so without carrying that reputation in the wrong direction of what recent history has been.
4: Jed, what's yours? What's your storyline? Which what, what what question do you want answered that is not being talked about really right now? Guys, I'd go uh, ahead. Go ahead. Just have at it. <laughs>
3: there's only one answer. Like I don't have any questions about Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker's about to get thrashed. Like okay, uh, I'm going be cool. I love Jalen Turner, but uh, the only question is. What does nose job DDP look like? This man can breathe now, Mike. Do you understand the limitations he's been competing with? He couldn't breathe. That's why his mouth is agape immediately and he's heaving. There's no oxygen intake. He has now gotten that fixed. Robert Whittaker doesn't know what he's in for, baby. He has no idea what's about to happen. This is like in the Fast and the Furious. When you put the NOS into the engine and it just explodes, this man can get O2 straight into the lungs. He is going to light the world on fire on Saturday. DDP is about to cement himself a title challenge, and none of y'all see it coming, but I believe in nose Job DDP.
4: I love it. I love it. Just some fun fights in this card. I, Yasmin Yurgi, Denise Gomez are just gonna beat the You're shit fun. out of each other. That's gonna be super he fun. Serious? Uh don't Is sleep on like, Josiah he serious? What's that?
5: He's serious about this DDP thing. Like I'm waiting for the WCW Pokemon. Oh, I'm waiting for the you know, I'm waiting for a lot of weird things to break just out. Just wait.
3: It- just wait, BC. No job DDP. mythical fighter.
5: You know, there was a point in the late 90s where music tastes change and suddenly we were supposed to pass off as legitimate rock, things like Kid Rock and Limp Bizkit and – And good Lord, stained. I mean, you know, you talk about this is a stain to this division's hierarchy at the moment. It's the UFC's lust for the idea of the the real African champion in this future race war we have planned of Adesanya against Duplessis. The problem is he's going to face a living legend in Robert Whitaker who has no holes in his game and nose job aside that defense from DDP ain't getting fixed overnight. Uh, I I don't understand. I, I just don't get you, Jed okay three round fight if
3: this was a five rounder sure Whitaker's talented and better and can do (laughs) all the things yeah but in a five rounder i need ddp to just be a chaos engine for 10 minutes and then survive for five he has to beat this thing just go freaking pedal down mash at him and i think he can pull it off i'm believing in ddp yeah yeah he could
5: he can pull it off against the guy who went ten rounds with Prime Yoel Romero and was the last guy standing. Like you know, the guy who had to like pause the next three years of his career after deal with the physicality that he endured there. He's got no chance here, you know. But Luke Thomas asked me on this other great show that's out there in MMA, you know, what chances are you giving him? I'm not, Jed. I'm not giving him those chances. They're not there. Look, I don't like. We this can fight reconvene at next all. week. We can, can reconvene
3: next week, and I am correct. This is a waste of DDP's time. He should be fighting for the belt. This should be him versus Izzy. This is an insane matchup, and I'm manifesting the reality I want to live in, BC. I want that title fight. I'm going to get that title fight by putting it out into the universe, and the universe will reward me because I'm a good person.
5: Well, I can't wait for DDP to co-main PFL Africa with Francis one day so we can see that finally happen. But I'll tell you this, though. Um, I can't wait, even though I love I love the man, I can't wait for Izzy to move up to 205 full-time because there's a future here at middleweight that involves the old guard, Robert Whitaker, and the new rising guard, which is Hamza Chemaev and Bo Nickel. So uh, let's see this. Let's see the future play out now. I'm ready for it.
4: Oh, your your Ikram Scaroff's going to be up there. There's a, there's a whole bunch of fun. Da- fun Lest we forget
5: stuff. about
3: Abus, okay? Don't just write <laughs> off Abus.
4: Well, I, I'm, I'm glad what you threw else? that One loss, and you guys are ready to burn him to the ground. I see how it is. Well, let's talk about the middleweight division. Let's talk about that fight in particular. In round three, the point for round two goes to You may call him insane, you may call him crazy, but he's ours. Jed Mishu, it's one-to-one. I just want everyone
3: to be prepared for how insufferable I'm going to be if DDP pulls this
4: off next week. I think we may need to to have have you on the watch. I think you might have to be on the watch party for two fights on Saturday, but we'll work we'll work that out logistically. <laughs> Let's go to this past weekend. Yes, the aforementioned UFC Vegas 76, the card that we're going to be watching over and over again for the next 10 years. Look, Sean Strickland ain't for everybody. And to be fair, his style of fighting, his technique, if you will, you're not going to find it in any MMA handbooks, but damn, does it work for him. And he delivers a second round finish of a boost Magomedov and what turned out to be a bit of a showcase fight for Sean Strickland. So BC, the UFC seems to really like Sean Strickland, and he's in a pretty damn good position right now with this win, despite beating an unranked guy in just a second octagon appearance. What did you take away from Strickland's performance? And obviously we got Whitaker DDP coming up, and if these guys get in a war, I don't know how quickly either of them are gonna be able to turn around to fight Izzy in September, but right this second, Two days before UFC 290, how good are Sean Strickland's chances right now to get what he wants, which is a title fight against Israel Adesanya, depending on what happens on Saturday between Whitaker and DDP?
5: I'd say they're very good, and uh, and I don't want to take anything away. That's, that's the best of what Sean Strickland can do. Like, that's the peak of his powers. They were on full display. He looked great. Once he was able to start coming downhill and take care of that fight, we saw it. Obviously, though, it turned out to be a mismatch. Uh, uh planes, trains, and automobile or a boost, a bus was. Uh, I mean, he was he was fast tracked into there. You know, be probably because of the last name combo slash. He's from Dagestan, but he imploded badly in a big key spot in that opportunity. But same thing we talked about when Jed accused Volkanovski of being bored, which led to three Holloway fights when it was really Dana White and the public's insistence on pushing for that. How do I know that? Because I was part of that public who scored the second fight for Max and was really pushing for more. Um, The reason is he's, this that he has a great chance Meaning strickland is i think Izzy is bored and he's looking across the landscape he knows 205 is the inevitability right he wants to get a second chance after the jan loss at doing it the right way his chief rival just moved up and it has a big fight against Blahovich that'll put him if he wins an instant title threat so i think he looked at the landscape and said yeah let me pick apart that guy who talks a lot strickland and also hey this ddp guy right with the new nose let me pick on him uh, that really could es- escalate and give Strickland the opportunity to potentially be Adesanya's last middleweight title defense before that inevitable move up. But as I talked about, it, like I, we're ready for this new era at, middle, at middleweight. I don't think anyone's rushing, even though I really do think the second Whitaker-Adesanya fight, if you reexamine it, you could make a case for Whitaker. No one's rushing to see that a third time. Let's let uh, Izzy move up. If it has to be, let's sacrifice Strickland to him to get there. Then I'm fine with that. But like I started this this rant saying I'm not here to criticize Strickland, it turned out to be the perfect matchup to showcase what he does well and what he does well he looked electric in doing. Is it enough to beat Izzy? No. Is it enough in this landscape due to the fact that Izzy has cleaned out this division two times over to, to get fast-tracked here? Yes, and I think what helps is that Bo Nickel's not quite there and now he's got a, a new opponent. And where the hell is Chemaev? Right, where the hell is Hamza Jemayev? Are we really start talking about some Usman Ketchway fight, which I'm not against, but why is he not being fast tracked to the title in either division? Is it really because we're going to hold against him that he missed weight in that weird conspiratorial setup, which was really UFC's hope of just keeping a Conor trilogy alive with Nate as a cash out? I don't really know, but uh, that's my take.
3: That's yeah. a fantastic conspiracy theory.
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, I when Brendan Allen won a UFC in Jacksonville, I asked him because he said his manager said, don't call Jared Kananir. He turned. It appears he has a fight. And I was like, did you hear Hamzat Shemaev? And he said, I plead the fifth. So maybe we're getting Shemaev Cannonier in Abu Dhabi. How about that? But Jed, that this fight went kind of the way you and I both expected it to go, that Abus Magomedov had five minutes to win this fight. And if he couldn't get Strickland out of there, this is going to be a long night for him and – Luckily, Sean Strickland had mercy on everybody and just was like, no, you guys have watched fighting long enough today. I'm just going to get him out of here and go home and call for a title shot and say ridiculous things at the post-fight press conference. So how good is his chances right now to to getting this Izzy fight?
3: Pretty good. Pretty good, I'd say. Uh, I... If you are, you know, like like Brian Campbell and the rest of you sheeple and think that Robert Whitaker is going to win, uh, <laughs> then I would say that Sean Strickland is about 90 to 95% likely to get the next title fight because sometimes you just fight the next dude up. You don't wait for someone to stand up and claim it or whatever. You just fight the guy. Sean Strickland's the guy, hasn't fought him yet. He'll be ready to fight at Sydney. I'm not really sure why. I was thought about this today. I was like, I don't really know why Izzy isn't the one just fighting at international fight week, doing a title defense against DDP, and we could have done you know Vulcan Yair at at Sydney. That feels like that would make more sense. But whatever, they still want to do that. Izzy, they want Izzy to headline Sydney. Sean Strickland is clearly the guy because there's nobody else unless they sneak Homs out in there or whatever. So if you think. Rob's getting it done, then I'd say it's very likely Sean Strickland is somehow going to have earned a title shot with a win over Abus Magomedov. Uh, if you, like me, um, you, you see the light, you are enlightened and know that DDP is about to get this, then I'm sorry, Sean Strickland will not be fighting Israel Dessinia at, at uh, UFC Australia because... They will have their number one contender with a bullet, no questions asked. They will not jeopardize that fight and all the heat that is there, uh, morally questionable heat, be, may, it, may it be or not. Like they're going to run that. And so, if that means they have to wait a little while because this, you know, uh, DDP can't turn around in a couple of weeks, then they'll just push that back and they'll do something else in Australia. But I'd still say it's pretty good that Strickland is is there or that he is next in line. He might have to fight somebody uh, to to get that opportunity after we do Izzy DDP, but I, he is right there in the conversation, certainly.
4: BC, I wanna go back to you because we had Grant Dawson, great performance. Guy's gonna be a player, 155 for a minute. Michael Morales, someone to watch. Lipsky got a win. Benoit Antony, another nice win at 155. Nursultan Sultan another dangerous guy, at 185 going out there and melting the guy at six foot five in just over 60 seconds. But the second biggest thing that happened on this card, uh, Renat Fakratinov gets the nasty finish in his win over Kevin Lee. But a lot of people are left wondering, and a lot of people going into this card, to, especially me, I was like, look, the main event is the main event. But The most interesting thing on this card is what Kevin Lee is going to look like in this fight. Two years back, fresh off the Diego fight, how is he going to look? And it did not go very well. And since then, we haven't heard anything from Dana White. We haven't heard anything from the UFC. We haven't even heard anything from Kevin Lee. No post loss, social media post, nothing like that. One of the big mysteries in the sport remains a mystery, BC. So after this loss and it not going very well, what happens now to Kevin Lee, one of the more talented guys that we have ever seen step into the octagon, but just never was able to put it together.
5: I mean, the best case scenario for him at age 30 is that they give him one more fight and he gets, you know, a, a softer match to try to just save his career in, in the performance against out there doesn't even justify that. Look, this is heartbreaking for me. It's rare, right? You're not supposed to have have a dog in the race or as a journalist, you know, go all in on a guy and be about that guy. But we are humans. These are entertainment programs. It happens, right? Jed loves this DDP guy. I mean, it's it's wild. I ain't going to play Sun City. I'll tell you that much, Jed. But I'll tell you this, though. Uh, Ultimately, wait, wait, who are we talking about again? Oh, Kevin Lee. It breaks my heart to have to do this again, which is to break down the specifics of how he fell apart and how finally I I might finally be fully ready to say without any asterisks, without any setups, without whatever, that it's over. I mean, I just set it up and said, you know, hey, maybe one more. But sometimes you get a nine lives guy. Adrian Broner was like that for me in boxing, where it's like no matter. Zab Judah was like that for me in boxing, where no matter what happens to them, win or lose, missteps outside the ring, give him another chance. If he comes in with his best, you're going to find out what happens there wasn't anything there. You know, there was, there was knee braces or knee, knee wraps on both knees. The movement was compromised. Once he got hit clean, his body just exploded and he went down and then he got, you know, the Machida John Jones treatment and got left, fallen on his face after a sub it's about as disastrous a scenario as you could have had. And he was already kind of doubling down based on the specifics of what UFC gave him fighting on the prelims of an already weak card against an unknown guy who looks like he might be a hammer. I mean, he was going uphill already. Uh, there's some deeper, extra parts to his story and his comeback when I interviewed him last week he basically said the only reason he ever got cut from the UFC was politics we saw behind the scenes that he had to change managers and go to Ali to get back in the UFC after being with Markel and we saw what happens when you're with that guy so there's some of that that I think got in the way but you know Bill Parcel said it best and, and I hate that phrase but it's true you, you are what your record says you are and his record has become shit and his performance here you know again outside of just well he's 30 years old and we just re-signed him let's give him one more outside of that it's regional scene or bare knuckle or anything else that's super sad because whatever kevin lee had for guys like me and luke thomas to just get so attached and say no no forget that there's a future champion right there the skills are there and they, and they were the complete package was never there and and it's it's too late now and this is sad this makes me sad i love that guy it makes me sad all right it makes me really sad. I knew a lot of people with tattoos on the back of their head growing up, and they were all crazy. I don't know what that has to do with Kevin Lee, but uh, uh, it, this this really – it goes this way sometimes. Injuries, bad decisions, it goes this way. There's been some bad things that have led to here. I mean, has it, has it been great to watch for him to watch his brother become the more famous brother in the family? Like he supports him and stuff, but there's like a lot of just – people just dropping bombs on this dude, but – so did Renard and he dropped a bomb and the fight's over. Choked out. I, I don't know what to say. What Jed, what do you want me to say? I love Kevin Lee. It's over. It's over, dude. I love, I love I, the man.
3: I didn't ask the question, BC. I don't want I mean, you to say anything.
5: One staff infection away from being the interim champion. On his chest.
3: Jed. Sure. If I had wheels, I'd be a wagon. <laughs> like he I don't know. We talked about this in the post show. Like I was never as high on Kevin Lee as others. I think he is tremendously talented. He had all the tools, right? Right. He he's got the mic work. He's got the flair. Uh can fight his ass off at times, but for whatever reason, it it never clicked. And the the history of MMA is sort of littered with dudes like this. And not just MMA, combat sports boxing, guys who could have been contenders and Kevin Lee was sort of a contender. You know, he did fight for an interim belt. Like he, he climbed very high up the mountain, but I think it's pretty safe to say that that's as high as he will ever go. Uh, You know, if you're trying to have the rose colored glasses, paint the picture, you could say that he's only lost to really good dudes, right? Like, we don't know that farkatinov is like really good but he seems like he's really good every every part of his game feels like a guy who's just you know a top 15ish welterweight and that's you know kevin lee's probably not really a welterweight so it's it's just so, but it is what it is this is the career he has this was not my biggest takeaway from this event probably because i knew a guy strongly suspected that this would happen i'm i've been out of the kevin lee investment game for for a hot minute here i was way more interested in like all of the lightweight fights that (laughs) happened at, at vegas 76 because lightweight's the best division in the sport and there was a showcase of incredibly dope shit that happened on saturday grant dawson has uh not like fully arrived, but I think everybody is now really aware that this guy is about to be a perennial top 15 dude for the next four or five years. He is a problem for anybody. He is going to scrap his ass off. Groom uh, Kutateladze getting just kind of iced by Elvis Brenner in, in the third round there in, in a really, really good fight. Elvis Brenner is like the most discount version of charles Oliveira, but it turns out discount charles Oliveira is still super dangerous and that an incredibly fun guy to watch compete uh i mean and then benoit Denis. i mean ishmael bonfim had a ton of heat coming into this uh one of the best ko's of the year and benoit Denis. everybody sort of overlooked him despite him being undefeated at lightweight being a good prospect and young in his own right and he you know, I won't say he ran over Bonfein, but he had the run of play in that fight pretty pretty comfortably. So I thought that of all the things I'm taking away from from that event, it's not Kevin Lee has continued to let down the, the, the diehards and stalwarts behind him. It's, man, Lightweight just continues to deliver the best dudes and the best fights, and it is so impossibly deep. And I love watching this division compete.
4: There you go. That's GFC Vegas 76. We're moving on. Point for round three goes to the Elvis Brenner of BTL. Jed Mishu down around comes back. Wow. 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 Takes the. Lead. You were just
3: so, you were so depressed BC in your whole thing. Yeah, it, was, it was a real downer. Really-
5: <laughs> yeah you know I, I, it's a loss of a loved one I need some some grieving time but no, seriously I love that guy but it's it's over it's really over I mean damn you know you know what if DDP's the hey. kid rock of MMA you're kind of the kid rock of MMA journalism there there and, and where you come from that's a compliment Jed. so shout out all right <laughs> <But> they <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, good good job Casey Ba uh, it's a ba.
4: Well, the uh, the big the big moment, I guess, in the Ultimate Fighter season thirty-one happened on Tuesday in the UFC. Even before the the new season started, they promoted fireworks between Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler. And golly gee, did they pick the right date for that episode to drop Fourth of July fireworks? Indeed, we got to see the big pull apart that has been teased, and much like a comedy movie where all of the funny lines are in the previews and the rest of the movie sucks. It kind of feels like we got the same thing with this one, Jed, didn't we? If you could grade this big moment, this pull-apart, the thing that is supposedly supposed to sell this fight and put it over the top as if it needed anything else, and maybe there's more this season. I ain't going to watch it, but I doubt it. How would you grade this pull-apart between Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler on Tuesday?
3: What was anyone expecting? Like, that's <laughs> that's been my question for months is we're like, oh, they've teased this and now we're going to get this thing. Like, no, they definitely just showed us the only thing that happened. Like, the, nothing else would have happened. It's not like they gave us a clip like it's a movie trailer. This is the trailer that includes the whole movie. Oh, I know everything's going to happen. I'm good. I don't need to see it. Like, what? Connor took his jacket off? Like, that's... <laughs> What what else? They Michael Chandler laughed maniacally in his face, like it's just whatever. Like these are these two dudes are never gonna fight. They're never gonna fight each other. Uh, this is everybody spinning their wheels for God knows what reason, for content reasons, really. And some fans caring about it. They're never gonna fight. Like I'm, I didn't think that before. I am have so strongly moved towards the uh, Connors never fight this dude. And honestly. I hope it doesn't happen. It's the fu- the funniest possible outcome is Connor just no-selling Michael Chandler for eternity uh because you know how much I love Michael Chandler. So watching him <laughs> just uh just watching him just futilely try to make this man fight him while not becoming a villain because it's it's anathema to his whole like being. He's all about the see you at the top positivity. I'm so yeah, I yell and he won't just be like, fight me you <laughs> or whatever. Like he won't just won't make him fight and he is just going to be impotently mad the whole time. I'm going to get a kick out of it for the next six months until the UFC is finally like, hey, Mike, you got to fight Armand because you got to fight somebody, man. Connor's not doing it. So fight one of these young killers sucks to be you, my guy. It's that's the only takeaway. These two dudes aren't fighting. Why are we caring about this?
4: B.C., not, not sure how how big of a pro wrestling fan you are, but you know I grew up in the Attitude Era. Pull-aparts lasted like 15 minutes. They went out onto the floor, took every security guard and every wrestler to hold a wrestler back, but somehow they got through two or three times. Conor Chandler couldn't get through a sprinting Dana White to get towards one another, so the pull-apart lasted about 25 seconds. It was one face push, and that was it. Uh, how do we grade this one, B.C.? Uh, the, the moment or the season,
5: how about I grade them both? It's, it's a, it's a D. And I mean, like, you know, anyone 45 and over will, will get the, uh, the Geraldo empty Al Capone vault reference, but that's what it has (laughs) been. And like, you know, not, not just the fact that the season sucks and that you're not even getting what you assume you're going to get more on that in a second. You're not even get the fight. You're not even going to get the fight. And like Jed, I didn't want to believe that in the beginning when the dissenters, when the Luke Thomas is the cynical base tards of this world, they're like, well, they're never going to fight anyway. Watch. And I'm like, stop. And he's like, oh, by the way, connor's never going to fight again. Oh. He's fucking right. I mean, this is an abject failure of so much epic performance. And you have to understand, like, there's no, there's no want for tough to begin with. This is this Dana White legacy series that he's already allowed to be Look, it, they're still using like 2005 reality TV tropes, right? It, to do that, the Dana White contender series is the real factory and vehicle that produces the, the the next fighters that are willing to sign on for ridiculously low prices and be managed by Jason House because that's probably the only way these days to get in the UFC. But my larger point ultimately is, it's like you bring it back, but Connor's going to coach and he's been away. I got excited. I allowed that pro wrestling side of my brain to go, you know what? I can be fooled by flashy packaging. Give me raw Connor behind the scenes. You're not even really getting much Connor in these episodes. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. All the Connor material is being shown in the post show that Dean Thomas and Rashad Evans host. And it's like unedited, unfiltered, just five, eight minute chunks of him being ridiculous. All you're getting during the season is him in really tight shirts going up to fighters that he's coaching. And by the way, he's Owen oh, six as a coach up to this point and just getting in their face wide-eyed and being like punch him in the fucking face punch him in the face that's his <laughs> like that's his that's his coaching every single time but when you marry that with the fact that it's now looking like how what a what a absolute like this should be the main event of of of, of international fight week right if they actually plan this out the right way or this should be nyc in november but we're, we don't even have connor in the Frickin' testing pool every time you see him on camera either on this show or on mm-hmm. social media he looks drunk high or worse right like like heavily stoned and you see i mean he's dragging women into halftime bathrooms in the miami he the nba finals like there's a lot going on that's telling you not fit to fight it's not going to happen unfortunately If you have been a watchdog, and by being a UFC watchdog this calendar year, somehow it also means pissing off every hardcore fan who can take criticism of their own favorite thing but only so much, it's been a really bad year for the UFC. Yes, they've delivered on big fights, and we see good enough fights and things are happening. But from a PR standpoint, from a promotion standpoint, from all the things that used to get us excited – They just don't care anymore. We got slap fighting on Friday night that's being heavily promoted, like Jed said, more than the actual International Fight Week card. I think a month ago, I randomly went on UFC.com, just randomly, and the first seven items were power slap on UFC.com, the week of a big fight. And they are using all these dollars in, in space to promote a season of an outdated show, of a fight. That's not going to happen at all. and the more we see of Connor in this season and in general, even if it did happen next March when he finally gets through the obligatory six months Brock Lesnar rule, let's break the USADA rules because we have a star coming back, you know he's gonna get knocked out. that's where he's at right now this this sucks it's it's kind of where UFC is at this year like not focusing on the things that really matter, just kind of like raising prices, bringing down how much they spend and just sitting back and you know and making videos about the media. Well, the media is actually right this time, right now. What the hell's going on in the UFC this year? Who's watching the storefront? This season, to me, is just the most forward facing representation of like who the frick is driving the wheel right now. You just came off your financially greatest year, like by far ever, and we're still dealing with fighter pay, fights that aren't happening. And the fact that you're using all of your social channels to promote like dirt bike racing, because apparently the Zufas bought that too. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ari. Appreciate it here. Why am I upset? Because I'm the boxing guy. All right? This is the best boxing year ever in a long time. Maybe it coincides with the UFC. I don't know. But all the things I hate about my sport and how it went down, it's starting to happen to your sport too okay so let me be the hated guy jed can be that too we'll get together in the south we'll go to a kid rock concert we'll take our shirts off it'll be fantastic burt chrysler <laughs> will be there with us we'll all just be living it up but we won't be getting the fights we deserve and you're not getting what you deserve at this international fight week spoiler alert sorry i love all the names on the card too they're all like minus 600 favorites so okay that's all i got that's all i got for you i'll see you at the boxing this weekend thank you all right
4: <laughs> yeah i mean we ain't getting it. we can't follow that up Last thing I'll say about The Ultimate Fighter. How the frig is Will Brooks not on this show? Are you kidding me? Like that would have been like a nice story within the story and we didn't even get that. Like it was the biggest no-brainer to put on the show. Will Brooks doing work. Had a shitty UFC run. Just wants one shot. Put him on the stupid show. Like this is the biggest no-brainer of all no-brainers. But I digress. I will not watch Can another I second. Can I ask Jed a question? Show. Jed, I want to ask you a question because you get
5: things. You do get things right? Most of them Thank are conspiracies, but you do get things. So let's talk about this. Is the real reason this fight isn't happening in 2023? Because Conor won't agree to take Usaada drug testing because maybe he can't, he's pissing dirty on his private testing and he can't get clean from that action movie? Or is this also come down to money? Is Conor asking for too much money and they're trying to just wade him out and we'll drag you, you know, like, like what is, ha- why is this fight actually not happening? Please tell the people.
3: Could be both. I I am operating under the assumption that, um, you know, without directly casting aspersions, uh, Connor is not returned to the USADA pool for a reason. Not to say that if he did return, that he would be clean, because I don't think any athlete competing is clean. Because I'm not a child. I'm I'm, a, I'm an adult, and I have rational thought. Uh, but my thought is um, that he doesn't does 't feel all the way confident that he's gonna gonna come through clean uh and because again you know not just for stuff that you know performance enhancers uh he seemed to be having a wonderful time in Miami so don't know what else he might pop for in a way that might look bad uh that's law that's the thing I'm operating under I also don't think that that will be a determining factor if Connor says I'm I'm willing to fight in December I think the UFC will write him a pass and and allow that to happen and I got no issues with it. Totally fine if they do that. But I think he just doesn't really care. I think he likes the idea of fighting, but he doesn't actually want to do the fighting anymore, which is reasonable. He has hundreds of millions of dollars. He gets to you know go to Monaco for F1 and go sit courtside at the NBA Finals game. And he's got, I think he's got another kid on the way or whatever. He's just got like life. And so he likes the idea of this thing and people associate him with fighting. And so- and part of him wants to do it, but the actual, hey man, once you agree, you're going to have to get into a real camp and actually prepare to fist fight this dude who sucks. Like My- Michael Chandler sucks, but like he's going to hit you real hard. So you're going to have to take him seriously. I don't think he's really w- willing to do that, particularly if Michael Chandler's not giving him something. Like if Michael Chandler was a fun foible, it would happen. Like if this was Habib and he like had an actual like – deep in his bones resentment for Habib's existence, Connor would be like, all right, let's do it. He clearly doesn't actually dislike Michael Chandler. I don't think he thinks about Michael Chandler. Like he respects Nate Diaz. You could tell that in their buildup to their fights. He just very clearly doesn't give a shit about Michael Chandler, which is fine, but it's not a thing that's going to get him excited to wake up and fight. Michael Chandler is just sort of the only name that really makes sense given the contours of of where his career and where the divisions are at. So I think it's sort of an amalgamation of all of it. But if I'm putting money on the biggest one, it is to like, yeah, he's probably not ready to get randomly drug tested all the time.
5: I, I'd say, where's the responsibility of the promotion? You ran out this reality show. This reality show is supposed to set up the next big fight. And your response is, well, you know, when guys make a lot of money and they're sleeping in silk sheets, eh, that's all we get is eh, 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 eh. I miss the UFC that used to compete against other MMA organizations, against other live sports and entertainment, against themselves to try to get bigger TV deals when it opens up. This is the new UFC that's just lowering all the the spending while they continue to take the minimum that they get from ESPN Plus and they're just happy with it. If this was the the days of old, three years ago, five years ago, wouldn't Dana be mounting some type of public pressure against Conor? Wouldn't they be trying to publicly talk bad about him? Wouldn't they be doing something? he's in a Chandler fight against, you know, somebody else. I mean, it's, they just like, they don't care. So if they don't care, why does anybody
3: care? Are you telling me, Brian Campbell, are you sitting there and you're telling me that the UFC is bad at fight promotion? Cause I don't know. I don't it's know about that.
5: This is just an unexplained. year. do it. You know, cause, cause you know what the big fear is at the end of the day, Jed, is that what they're really doing is paying off the WWE buy. That's what they're really doing. That's what really Endeavor is doing. Hey, I just bought WWE for nine they're billion. They're still paying We're off the
3: UFC buys. <laughs>
4: yeah, right, yeah. So, yeah.
5: so record breaking.
3: They're paying off a lot of buys.
4: <laughs> yeah. Hey, you want to know? You want to know who's really good at promotion? Conor McGregor, because the dude just got paid a floppity jillion dollars to appear on a reality show where he gets to market his liquor and beer for free. He got paid to market that stuff and put all that stuff all over the place. That's all he cares. Like Conor doesn't care about Michael Chandler at this point. He's making a whole bunch of money because his products are all over ESPN and he got paid to have them there. It's wonderful for
3: him. I want to rope this back into the original prompt so we can end this. Uh, Here's how you know he doesn't care about Michael Chandler. The push was aside from being the most contrived and stupid thing ever. Like it, all of it sounded just fake. Like ah, Michael Chandler's yelling whatever five in a row or keep winning or whatever dumb, stupid Michael Chandler thing he is. And Connor like forces an interaction there. It's like Connor could have easily just been like, shut. The- up or whatever and instead he's like you'll be winning nothing because that is a line that i have said previously and people (laughs) respond to it you'll be you'll do nothing i'm gonna knock your bleeding head off shove take off my jacket prowl around yay ratings and like it's so he just doesn't care at all about michael chandler and so they're never gonna fight and it makes me so happy I'm so happy that Michael Chandler is is dancing to the tune of this drum and just so happily doing it and he is gonna get nothing for it and it's the it's, best.
5: It, Mike, it's just great to see that Dana White's such a such a Justine Kish fan that he wants to honor her by smearing that shit all over the octagon, right? You know what I'm saying? Like this is just unbelievable this this year. I don't like the direction things are headed. Stay off my lawn. Thank you. you. It's bad.
4: And unfortunately, the ones who can make any significant change just trip over their own feet. Not that they're going to get anywhere close to the UFC. They just keep tripping over their own feet with stupid shit. So uh, let's move on. The point for round four goes to... I mean, BC won this round like 10 minutes ago, but he gets it done. It's two to two. And you know what that means, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) BC won this round 10 minutes. (laughs) The walk-off, the walk-off at the end. That was it. We could have kept this thing going. BC wanted to ask Jed a question, so we went a little bit longer. Uh, So it's time for the knockout round. One question will decide it all. The peeps will vote, and they'll get the same question, and it's going to be fun. I think this is going to be a fun thing. It's something we haven't really discussed. It is an important thing that is going on this week and uh i think it deserves some time on the show and that's we're gonna save the final round for so jed uh you are from mmafighting.com you get to choose do you want to go first or do you want to pass it on over to bc
3: i definitely don't get to choose brian has handed me my ass every time we've competed against each other brian gets the choice for sure
4: okay what do you want to do bc i want to go first let's go okay so this is this is how we're going to handle this because one of the cool things that's happening on Saturday, uh, it's the end of an era. Robbie Lawler is going to fight for the final time, at least, and I kind of believe him after hearing him speak more than seven words at the media day yesterday. He's going to fight Nico Price and is going to be the final fight of his career. He can go hang out with his family, still watch fights if he wants to, but this is it. His fight with Rory McDonald is obviously going to be going to the Hall of Fame this weekend. Uh, and I would say in the next year or two, Robbie Lawler himself, just for being Robbie Lawler, will find his way and have his own spot into the fighter wing of the hall of fame as well. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to go into the future, BC, Robbie Lawler getting inducted into the hall of fame for himself. And you have one minute to give him his hall of fame intro. We're going to go ahead and do that right now. So, okay. I know it would take a little bit longer, but, uh. Basically, I've introduced Robbie Lawler into the Hall of Fame, BC. I usually hit my time mark perfectly on this show, so let me get that locked in. All right, you hit the post like no other, BC. One minute—I mean, one minute on the clock. Go. The
5: warrior is an overused term in modern MMA. Everybody's a warrior just for stepping in there. But Robbie Lawler was a caveman from a different era, debuting before 9-11, right? Competing in everything, or having multiple runs in the UFC and competing everywhere from elite XC to pride to strike force along the way. Coming up through Miletic fighting systems is as old school as you can get. Yet he endured and survived and ultimately thrived in a modern era by being himself, by being absolutely who he is. He never cared about interviews. He never cared about rivalries or trash talk. He didn't really care about money or the titles. He just loves to fight. I've never before seen an elite fighter in modern title fights who would visibly take full rounds off to regain his stamina in the back, to then go balls out, Going for the knockout again. The best part about this retirement is going out on, on his own terms and an action fight against another guy. But Robbie Lawler is a true warrior. And with all this free time that he has coming up, it's about time he finished that weird tramp stamp tattoo on his lower back that looks like, you know, the the art like the tattoo guy just fell asleep halfway through or had a, you know, got a new job. But uh, what a warrior. Love that guy.
4: That was pretty good, BC. You went 70 seconds. That was well done. Well done. Yeah. That's about a minute and a half. Uh, Better than your previous record here on this show. So, Jed, we go to you. Uh, With with a career like Robbie Lawler's, Jed, one intro wasn't enough. We got to go to, and the UFC called upon its two favorite reporters who just say nothing but glowing things about the company. We go from BC to Jed Michoud. One minute, Robbie Lawler, what do you want to say heading into his final fight? Go.
3: There are no equals to Robbie Lawler. There's maybe one man who can kind of share in, in what Robbie Lawler has achieved in this sport. Not here to tell you Robbie Lawler's greatest fighter of all time, the greatest welterweight, uh, my favorite fighter of all time. I'm here to say unequivocally that this man is one of the two most exciting fighters who have ever lived. I I don't even think there's a debate. It is him and Justin Gaethje at the very top, and that is it. There are other exciting and wonderful people we're talking about a dude here it, it seems insane he won fight of the year like three years in a friggin row against Johnny Hendricks, Rory McDonald and Carlos Condit. that's not, that doesn't ha- that may never happen again that a man was fight of the year three times in a row his fight with Carlos Condit remains for my money the greatest fight that we have ever seen in combat sports, certainly in MMA I love him forever and happy trails Robbie Roller
4: Wow. Legit hit the post right on the last little drum was the final word. Well done. I'm a professional, uh, Mike.
5: I mean, come on. The McDonald's fight was better. It's going into the damn hall of fame. Can we wake up on that debate between the Condit and Rory rematch in terms of the best Robbie Lawler fight? One thing I, I'm okay if I lose this. Why? Because Jed nailed the best part of it. There are. when you When you are drunk or hanging out with McGregor late night and you put on UFC <laughs> Fight Pass, whoever you go to first and more often is ultimately your favorite fighter it's just engaging Robbie Lawler who I go to more often all the damn time. So Jed, you nailed that right there. Thank you. Thank you.
3: And I forgive you for the Roy McDonald, you're a boxing guy. And like many of the, you know, tough era fans, you don't understand uh, the good fights versus the, <laughs> the scene fights and Roy McDonald's great fight. Top 10 fight ever. Carlos Kahn is the best fight of all time.
4: All right. Well, get your votes in people. Maybe you could be on team Roy McDonald with BC. You could be on team Carlos Conda with Jed Mishu.
3: I will Get also add them. in Charles Oliveira is very quickly climbing the ranks of most exciting fighters of all time too. That dude is, he's not at the top two, which I think are, are separate, but another couple of years, like he's been doing, and that man's going to be right there as the third, as the third leg of that particular tripod.
4: Yep. That's a great point right there. Uh, we'll waste a little time. Heck of a morning tomorrow, ten AM Eastern on the Twitter Spaces. Talk about two ninety. We talk whatever the hell you want. We'll have a preview show three PM Eastern. What, Jen?
3: What does Threads have spaces? Is Heck of a Morning going to start happening on the Threads Spaces? Mike? <laughs>
4: God, I hope so. God, I hope so. <laughs> I wanted. I, I hope Zuck fights Elon Musk and just puts the boots to him for what Elon has done to Twitter. Stupid ass. Uh, so I have a preview show. Dude, can DM they is- fight <laughs> for
3: Twitter slash threads? Can they put each of them put it up?
4: I would I add, start
3: immediately idea. caring about this fight if they wagered their
4: social media platforms. On it. I love that idea. See, that's fight promotion right there. Uh, and then Saturday, obviously, is the big event. We'll have people's pre-fight show right before the main card starts we'll have the watch party at 9 45 p.m eastern jed will be there during the main card we might have him for two fights not really sure new york rick will join us for the main event post fight show sunday on to the next one ak and i will matchmake we're gonna do it live and we're gonna do it super early in the morning because i got no choice because i have to get out of new york uh, at a decent time so casey come on in my friend You don't have that look of, Oh my god, the votes are so close. It's one percent. Hold on five more minutes.
0: Let's get a couple (laughs) more votes in. It's
4: what could it be? (laughs) Do we do we have a – were there just two options to vote for or yeah, did you put yourself op- as an option this time?
0: No, 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 no. I,
5: I, I feel I, like GSP before the Hendrix decision right now. Like I know I probably didn't win but then they'll give it to me and I'll get to <laughs> celebrate. <you> While <know. laughs> wow, the shade at GSP. Wow. And I'll just retire. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry.
0: <laughs> well Your winner today with – of the votes is (laughs) Mr. Brian Campbell. Shocking development. I'm telling you.
4: Jeez Louise. Yes. Wipe that sweat off your brow, BC. Oh my gosh. If Jed had won, I think... uh, there might be actual statistical evidence that DDP could beat Robert Whittaker. It might have been a thing. Yeah. It might have been a thing. Yeah. Maybe the good dude would be in the air. So, BC, congratulations. 6 and 0 oh now. Here in the virtual arena, and now you get 30 seconds to wax poetically about whatever you want to talk about
5: yeah yeah i I will tell you guys uh you know we need ufc watchdogs i'm happy to be one i love this sport i love this product i hope saturday kicks us right in the balls with entertainment um watch me on morning combat every every monday wednesday and friday and even though i clown on that guy jet he had a hell of a performance today i wish he would let his hair down more he would look more uh more you know I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know if we could say rapey on this show but he would look a little oh bit more weird God. if he did that but uh I supposed you, know, to. you know yeah thanks for having me guys like GSP it's been a great run but I gotta step away I gotta step away you know what I mean I can't explain to you why I gotta step away though okay oh my gosh,
4: uh Jed I don't know how you follow that up but please say anything uh Look, uh,
3: congratulations to BC. As we know from his impassioned arguments, beating me three times makes him the greatest of all time. Uh, (laughs) You don't need to beat other people. You just beat the same person over and over again, and you're the goat. So congratulations on your goat hood. Uh, Well earned, well deserved. Uh, And that's all I got. I'm excited. Last thing, I demand. When DDP pulls this thing off, I demand that everyone vote for me next week because I will deserve
5: it. So that's it. That's all I'm saying. When DDP wins. Like Volkanovski, I don't want to keep rematching you, but the people keep asking for it, all right? So, you know, (laughs) that's what
4: it is, right? Yeah. I mean, Jed got the Juliana Pena moment last year. Could he, could lightning strike twice? Could he get the DDP moment as well in 2023? Casey hit the music. There's your cliffhanger for this Saturday in UFC 290. But thank you for watching. Appreciate you joining us. We'll be back next Thursday to break down all of the UFC 290 action. And then, ladies and gentlemen, pedals continues to the metal. Holly Holm coming back against Myra Bueno Silva. We will Vacant title fight! (laughs) Vacant title fight! We'll preview UFC Mega 77 for a couple of minutes. But thank you all very much for BC, for Jed, for Casey on the ones and twos. The iconic voice, Sylvester Lin, takes you home. I am Mike Heck. We're out of here. Good night, everybody. Love
2: y'all. This has been Between the Links, an MMA Fighting production on the Vox Media Network.
0: The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA.